It's Friday, January 20th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Ju- <laughs> That's right, it's not Friday. It's Sunday, January 22nd, but this is Friday's episode, and you're listening to a brand new one of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. By the way, why the, why the record scratch? None of this is on vinyl. This is all 100% purely digital. None of this will ever be on vinyl. I want something more dramatic. How about a more dramatic? Like, I get the effect, but let's go a little dramatic. Let's try it again. Like, it's a mis- I made a mistake. It's actually Sunday. Okay. It's Friday, January 20th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour po- a little negative, not quite the image. I, I'm not sure car wreck is what I'm going for, but let's try It's Sunday, Sunday fun day. Let's try that, a little looser, maybe. I don't know. Just think of a, on the spot. Sunday, but it's like to highlight, just go with it, roll with it. It's Friday, January 20th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy. Oh, that's right. It's not Friday. It's Sunday, January 22nd. But this is Friday's episode, and you're listening to a brand new one of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On today's episode, guest, a superstar actor and voice talent, Christian Potenza, all-around great guy, drops by 11 Press Studios. That, and we bring back Scamming the Scammers. That and so much more. Oh, my God. And it all starts now. Project. I was, like, half asleep on the couch, and now I'm projecting. Hey everyone, this is Christian Potenza. This is Gay Trevor Wilson. This is John Paul, aka the Island Hipster, hashtag hipster business. This is Steph Tola. Hey, this is Jake Goldsby. This is Sky Wallace. Hey everybody, this is Erica Sigurdsson, aka Ricky Six. Okay, hello. Hi. This is Howard Wagman. Hey, this is Peter Anthony, the PA System. This is Matt O'Brien. Some people like to, that's my rap name. This is Jen Grant, and you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast. That's right. Coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Annex, downtown Toronto. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, thank you. Welcome, welcome. Christian Potenza is my guest tonight. The Christian Potenza. He's just one of those actors that... He's been in everything. Everything. He's just one of those guys you hear... You see his face and you're like, yeah, that guy, right, for sure. You run into him, you run into him on the street. Oh, it's him. Uh, yeah, uh, uh. Christian Potenza is my guest. Actor, voice actor, voice coach, just all around superstar. Christian Potenza joined me in Lemon Press Studios. He actually he's the one that he punches out Jackie Chan in the, in the tuxedo in the movie. Look it up, YouTube it. Actually, I'll throw it up on Facebook, the fan page. Speaking of social media, that, that intro was weird, wasn't it? That was a little stiff. It felt contrived. That was for social media. Speaking of which, at JD Comedy Hour on Twitter, at JD Comedy Hour on Twitter and Instagram. 
Facebook.com slash JD Comedy Hour. Email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com. We want to hear from you. We really do. We really do. It's Sunday, January 22nd. This is Friday's episode. Donald Trump is officially pre- officially president of the United States. That was an, an insane joke just a year and a half ago. Now it's he's actually the thing. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about it because you know what? Everybody is. Just go everywhere. If you want to know anything about it, just go everywhere and anywhere. So not here. This is escapism. You come here to escape, okay? You come here and to forget about life. So tax season is upon us and looming around the corner, which is why... Here we go. I'm dragging you right back into real life. <laughs> which is why we're bringing, out, bringing back scamming the scammers. Oh, gosh. That's right. Scam is, scamming the scammers is back. That is a CRA scam that's going around. Usually this time of year, it pops around different areas. And I got this call last year. The gist of the scam is they call you, they tell you they're from CRA, Canada Revenue Agency. For those listening, it's our IRS for American friends. And for the rest of the world, I, d- I don't know. I, pr- I should have probably looked it up. But CRA, they call you. They say you have thousands of dollars in, in taxes due back and you will go to prison. The police are actually most likely already on their way. But there's one way out. You can go to a Western Union and wire $5,541.17 and your debt will be wiped and they'll call the police and the police will turn around. Obviously, this sounds insane to most, but people do fall for it, especially it's a numbers game. And the only real defense against this kind of stuff is awareness. So what I did when I got the phone call, I started calling these people back, just harassing them, being as irritating as, as, I, as I possibly can. And they don't, they don't take personal information. That's what makes this thing so weird. They go strictly based on fear, what they do, because I've tried to offer up fake social social insurance numbers and so on to see what, how far I would get, but nothing. They don't take any personal information. They go through the phone book or something. I don't know how they got my number to begin with and my name, and then they leave you a voicemail or they talk to you and they uh, say that you owe all this money and you have to, um, uh, uh, whatever, pay it. So... I called these guys over and over relentlessly for days. I mean, I just sat in studios and just called and called. And some were pretty juvenile, some were pretty disgusting. And I edited it, edited it, edited it, edited it, edited it. Oh my God, that's, I edited it, edited it. I edited it. What What the fuck? I'll edit this out. No, I'm not going to edit anything out. I don't care. I'll leave it at it. So I shortened it to a smaller uh kind of a few clips of me irritating them. And then what happens is they catch on. They know the number, even though I keep changing the number. And they they, they decided that the best way to deal with with um, with me was to keep me on one line rather than bounce around in their, in their uh, call center. So I got the gist of the scam. And it's essentially a call center in Dubai. And there's between 30 and 40 people. And they call each, they each call between 200 and 300 numbers a day. So imagine, it's a numbers game, so some people do fall for it, and it's always big numbers. So the guy that kept me on the line for for 20 minutes, I really cut it down. Cut it is a better word. I really cut it down, and um, I'm going to play that after. So here it is. So off the top, it's going to be just a few simple quick calls with, with, with me just being 
a thorn in their side and then it's going to be uh, the little call of him keeping me on the line and you can understand the mentality behind it. They don't feel bad about this. They don't think it's a scam. They think it's an art. It's very bizarre, but we get into it. So here it is, because it's that time again, tax season. Welcome to the Julian Dion comedy tax reality life life tax life hour. <laughs> But no, I will, I'm playing these because the real, the real defense against these kind of people are um, is awareness. You know, if you know about it, then you, uh, you will surely not get dinged. So here it is, Scamming the Scammers. Every day that goes by, telephone scammers are stealing your peace, stealing your money. But together we can stop this abuse. Please help the JDCH free the people. Please... Pick up the phone now and help us fuck these fucking fucks. Thanks for calling. CRS, how can I help you? Oh, yes, hello. Yes. Yes, I have a lawsuit. Go ahead. I, I just got a voicemail saying I had a lawsuit pending against me and I'm just trying to rectify it. Okay, just hold on. Hold on, sir, okay? Mm hmm. And who am I speaking with? Milton. Sorry? Milton. Manson. Okay, just hold on, sir. And you're living in Toronto, O-N, am I right? That, that's right. O-N is for Ontario. Yes, yes. Now, sir, the reason why we are trying to reach you, my name is Officer Jonathan Knight. Oh, and you kiss on the block. calling from the CRA, Canada Revenue Agency, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, write it down your arrest warrant ID number zero zero dash one zero zero dash one zero zero dash three six three six three six five six. Yes, that's your arrest warrant ID number. Okay. You should rot in hell. Sorry. You should rot in hell. You're a scam artist. Trying to steal people's money. Fuck you're, you. You're committing fraud. Fuck you. Thanks for calling Treasury Department. Treasury Department? Oh, I thought I was calling CRA. Exactly right. We are from Tax and Auditation Department. Okay. Yes, sir. Hello. Yes, how can I help you, baby? Is this CRA? Yes, how can I help you? Oh, I have a lawsuit pending against me. <laughs> no. Okay. So, how can I help you? How, how do I get rid of the lawsuit? Do you need money? Yes. Lady, lady boy, motherfucker. Thanks for calling. Canada Revenue Agency, how can I help you? Hello. Uh, my name is Officer Daniel Martin. Okay, okay. I'm just telling you you can go on break in, uh, for half an hour and come back. Okay. CRA, Canadian Revenue Agency, how may I assist you? Yes, this is Jonathan Knight. Yes, this is Jonathan Knight, how no, can I help you? No, this is Jonathan Knight. Yes, this is Jonathan Knight, how no, can I help you? No, no, this is Jonathan Knight. Yes, my name is Officer Jonathan Knight. How can I help you? Oh, my name is Officer Jonathan Knight. 
Yes, my name also name my also name is Jonathan Light. How can I help you? Oh, we're like twinsies. Yes, twins, twins. Twinsies. Ha <laughs> ha. Hi. Baby, love you. Oh wow! You really worked on your accent. Did you did you take classes or something? Or did, oh, she's gone. Hello. Hi. Is this the IRS? IRS. IRS. Who's that? IRS. Uh, Internal Revenue Services. Been, no, I'm yeah. speaking with CRA, Canada Revenue Agency. Oh, Canada Revenue. Okay, that works. I w- I would like to give somebody all of my money. No. Oh, forget it! And when did you receive this call? This morning. This morning? Yes. Uh, can you please uh, tell me your name again? H-O-R-K. H-O-R-K. Yeah, H-U-N-T. H-U-N-T. Hawk Hunt, right? Yes. Thanks for calling CRA. How can I help you? Oh, hi. I got a voicemail on my phone uh, from CRA. All right. What can I do for you then? Uh, well, you tell me. You left the message. What's your name? Thern. Thern? Fern, yeah. Oh, Fern. What's your last name? Arthur. Fern Arthur. You know, instead of scamming people, you should take improv classes because you need better skills at thinking on your feet. Oh, really? Yeah. So how many people are working with you right now? 45. 45? That's not too bad. 45 broke, desperate people? No, 45 not the desperate people, but the 45 trained people who who does have the art to take the money out of someone by scaring them or doing whatsoever. Whatever it takes for for them to take the money. Oh, so you do it through fear? Yeah, whatever you say. Right. Well, you know, you just said you scare them. Yeah, we scare them. Anyhow, as I said, anything. We use anything in order to take the money out of the person. Right, right, right. And it's art. Yeah, it's calling art. Okay. Just hold on. I'm gonna get you someone who is best speaking to you. Okay, right? please do. Yeah, yeah. Roy Cage is gonna take. He's gonna take fuck out of you. So you can talk to him, please. Sure, sure. Put him on. Yeah, sure. Just hold on. Yeah, thank you so much. Hello. Is this Officer David Miller? Uh huh. Can I? How do I give you my Listen. money? Well, which way you just wanna give me the money? Find find out the way, man. Oh, well, you're the professional. You're the artist. Yeah. Do, do, do you think that we are professional? No. I mean, yes, we are professional scammers. You, you're an artist, your colleague was telling me. Fern, Fern Arthur. We are, we are scam artists. You're an artist, right. You create things, right? In Canada? Have you ever had an original thought in your life? You, you're based in Canada? Yeah, I'm based in Canada, yeah. What do you do there? Uh, I'm er- I earn money honestly. What do you do? So, what do you do there? I mean, you're earning money honestly, as you're seeing that you're an honest person? Yeah, you should try it. Really? So, I don't speak Punjabi. What do you think? We are speaking Punjabi? 
I don't know. So do you do we this from here? Do you do this because you're poor? No, we are not poor though. But you know, we we like it. Like uh, ripping off you people, you know, you piece of a shit. What? Why? Why are we piece of shit fuckers? Because we have what, freedom what, what, and. What do you think? What do you think? How how much we are earning the day? Yeah. Out of your knowledge. Yeah. No, I, it is out of my knowledge because I don't scam you, people. You can't. You can't even imagine that. You can't. I I have more than a fifty per uh, fifty people are working here. You know, each and every one. Losers. Would be. Losers. Shot. All of them. I mean, we are we are earning enough by scamming you people over the phone. I, I don't need to come in person, though. But but why why do you do that? Just because you know this is the fastest way to you know earn the money by we are not coming down to your doorstep. But you know we are not doing the stuff like a terrorist, right? Right. That we are not just showing you the guns and telling you to just you know get out from your house here and just not stealing the money. We are just playing with our mind and we are just doing some mind games here. So you're and doing you fucking bogus people going to the bank and withdrawing the money and give it to us. Right. So that's it's how a... it goes. And that's how... So it's our it's our fault. Yes, that's your fault. Right. You it you're you have nothing to do with it. That's all we are doing here. We have more than fifty people are working here and we all do the same. And you feel good about it? I mean, I don't know. Yes, we we feel like you f you feel good about you know calling uh, a, an old lady and taking her hard-earned life savings? If she's an old lady, what does she have to do with the money? Uh, she's just gonna die soon. <laughs> yeah, she could give it to her kids instead of some low-life piece of shit. No, but we we just want to have fun getting some money though. Oh, so it's fun for you? Yes, I kind of. And you don't feel guilty at all? No, we don't feel. Why is that? Because you know that's the money which was gonna give us some pleasure by spending it out, some party mood, some you know some cars, some some many you know involved in that. What kind of car do you drive? It's out of your knowledge, dude. That that's out of your thinking, dude. You can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine what kind of car you drive. Try me. Is it a rich? Just think. Is if it a rich? Is it a rich? If you're listen, if you're earning more than you know, like a ten thousand dollars a day. You know, yeah. Which car you you would love to have? So what do you drive? Like a like a Lamborghini? No, not Lamborghini. Like a Mercedes? Once once I, once I'll get you know like a fifty thousand dollars a day, I would love to do that. I'd love to get one. Right. So what do you want? What are you, what are you waiting for? What else you wanna do? You wanna do a phone sex? You yeah, want let's me to be a girl. Yeah, do it. Be a girl. Do you think that you're spunky enough? Yeah, do, be a girl. What are you wearing right now? Like a skirt? What I? What am I wearing? Yeah. And no, dude. Please, I'm just making a tea. <laughs> what? Just tell me what you're. You're just making a tea, so you're not wearing anything. No, I'm not wearing anything. Where are you located, honestly? What country? Honestly, we are in Dubai. Dubai. You're making mad money in Dubai. Yep. Tell me, how, how many people give you money? Like, if, if we are just uh, dialing, you know, we have 50 people working here. So, you know, if each of them would be dialing for the couple of hundred people, like, you know, two or three hundred people. So, you know, 
if we are getting a callbacks like a hundred of the callbacks each and every day so we would be getting a money from the people like you know ten of them and if the ten of those people are paying like you know just like a two or three thousand dollars then also we are up to around about a fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a day and you split you split that amongst everybody not everybody th those all are working on the salary basis they are getting salaries those that make the those that make the uh the calls get the Salary, money. Yes, some are on the incentives. Do you understand what what are called incentives? Yeah. Yo, really. Like commission. You're, you're not that bastard. Yeah, you yeah. Understand though. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm not that dumb, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not that dumb. W what else you want to know? I want. Are you guys hiring? You really? Yes. You want to come and work here? Yeah. I could use a little sun. Get out of this cold weather. Uh huh. Think so that after you'll come to Dubai and you will come down to my office, you know, you'll be alive. Oh, are you threatening me? Yes, I'm threatening you. Do what you gotta do. You're like threatening my life. Like I so, if I went there, you would kill. You would kill me. You wouldn't give me a job. How How old are you? Hi, I'm 25 year old. 25 years old. Be, yes, I might be younger to you. That's all you do. I mean, you know, call in some random call centers. Yeah. And spending the time like this. That's right. Are you like on break right now? You seem to have a lot of time. Yes, we have the rest, you know, like nine or ten lines. We can let our customer know to call on the other lines. Right. You're, you call them customers? Yes. The, we call them customers. We know, we know them as victims. Oh. How long have you been in the scam artist business? Uh, you can say personally about my experience from, you know, you can say from 2008 December. And how much money have you made? Well, that's none of your business, though. Well, you said everything else. Though, we'll see. Uh, sometimes I've been, uh, somewhere I've been working, somewhere I was on the job, somewhere I was in the partnership, somewhere, you know. I mean, you know, there are some different criteria that I've worked with. Right. But I never counted uh, the money that I earned. But if you can give me my calculation, the money that I spent, you know, that's that's also out of your knowledge, dude. I can't, can't even I can't even grasp it. You can, if you want to. Can you can you just give me money just just because you have so much? We don't have so much. If we would be having so much money, then why would be working over here? I mean, you know. We would uh, give out like you know holidays to our boys or something like that. We always need a ten or twenty thousand dollars a day. Right. You need you need twenty thousand. How we go? You need twenty thousand a day to live. Just give me five thousand. Go to your local Western Union. Just go to your local Western Union and and transfer me five thousand. Why would I do that? I don't know, cause uh, we're hitting it off here. Mm-hmm. No one wanna give that. No one gonna do that though. Five hundred. Not at all. One Not a single penny. One thousand. Right. Well, you know what? Before before I took this phone call, I was feeling sleepy. But you know, after you bugger. So I helped. I helped you get through the day. Oh yeah. Wish me a good luck, and a God bless Canada. Keep calling, fuckers. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> Okay, goodbye. Take okay. care. Anything else? No. Sure. Thank you. Take care. All right.
And there it is, scamming the scammers. Uh, just in case you end up running into one of these phone calls, just know it's not true. And do not wire them money for, for, for the love of all that is holy. Okay, on that note, let's go to my guest. I had a fantastic chat with this guy. Like I mentioned off the top, he's a fantastic actor and voice talent. He's also a voice coach, but we get into all of those details. So let's just get right to it. Enjoy now my chat with the one, the only... The affable Christian Potenza. You and me belong, just like the flowers. Oh, okay, I see. All day long. People I need to lose. Oh, loose, got Sing it. A little song, then take a shower. Okay. Julie oh, this is my favorite part here. Uh, or podcast. Enough with that. This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast with guest Christian Potenza is brought to you yet again by Vianort Restaurant. GTA Great Tour Toronto listeners. This one is for you. If you find yourself in the city looking for the best Portuguese and Mediterranean cuisine, <laughs> look no further. Vianort Restaurant, three times recipient of the Critics Pick Top Choice Award and a 2017 nominee for the same uh, award. Vianort Restaurant, 938 College Street, offering you the best Portuguese cuisine. That's right, Chef Jose Alves does it right over there. So come on down, come on down. Also, also. Get this home of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour live show. That's right, every single Wednesday, bringing you the best in stand-up, bringing you the the top touring working comedians today. This week, January 25th, coming up Wednesday, the show will feature Brian Hatt, Monty Scott, Karen O'Keefe, and Andrew Packer. Another stacked lineup. That's at Via Nord Restaurant, 938 College Street, College in Dovercourt. Do it today! <laughs> Attention, campers! The following anthem is performed by Captain Christian Potenza of the Animation Nation Army. If you love watching cartoons, if you love drawing cartoons, if you love voicing cartoons, heck, if you love all things cartoons, I invite you to enlist in the Animation Nation Army and get tuned, be tuned, and stay tuned. Seriously, you could get really messed up. There's that laugh. I'm not sure there's any better way to kick off a podcast 
a better, more positive way to kick off a podcast. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> and there it is in real time. Uh, welcome to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. And uh, that, of course, that you heard there is my guest today. What can I say about this guy? Well, he is a uh, animation voice superstar and uh he's uh, most notably known for the voice of chris mcclain on total drama waiting for perhaps season two if i'm correct uh jude lazowski from 16 we've got trevor treble trevor trouble myers from sidekick and uh dirk danger from almost naked animals and the list goes on and on and on you might also recognize uh, his face if you don't recognize his voice from a million tv commercials it seemed uh it seemed for a while you were in everything and uh, including one of the most notable ones the yellow toothbrush in those uh those uh, uh, listerine ads the yellow toothbrush with uh, the the toothbrush or with the uh, bottle of Listerine. <laughs> anyway, my guest today, Christian Potenza, is in Lemon Press Studios version 2.0. This is the first interview doing here since we moved from the old studio. So thank you, nice uh, brother, nice and digs, uh, welcome. Nice. Thank you. It's uh, so good to see you. And we've never actually met. Uh, and and this is uh, fun for me to do podcasts with people that I don't have actually uh, that I've never actually met. And we often. Um, uh, and we've been, been we've been Facebook friends. I don't know how it happened. I probably just saw that we had many many mutual friends at some point, and it's been a couple of years, like two or three years. You have such a recognizable face when I saw it pop up, and people you may know. I guess that's my, I don't remember how it happened, but really because right now it's a stormtrooper. Yeah, that's what my profile pic is. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but. Here we are, and yeah. I, I wanted to have you in because, uh, as I was telling you, and as the listeners know, I like to introduce the other side of people. Chris, people will know Christian Potenza, first of all, his voice, if not his voice, again, from his numerous television appearances in, in, um, in film and TV and commercials. And so I'd like to introduce uh, the listener to the other side of Christian Potenza and get to know you personally. Let's peel back the onion layers, shall we? Le- we shall. <laughs> Hopefully uh, we'll have some tears while we do that. Anyway, thanks. And uh, let's just start. I like to kind of go chronologically, but we can kind of okay. go all over the map. Sure. We'll derail and then we'll come back. And uh, just, just to put the listener at ease, because I know sometimes I get emails, they get frustrated. I like, like how you just said, oh, we will derail. Oh, we like, will. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a train wreck. <laughs> My story is amazing. <laughs> uh, so first of all, Christian, you are from Toronto. Is that it? Are you from? No, no. no, we, no. Ottawa. We covered that I just before. I was born in Ottawa and then we moved to... To, uh, Tweed, then we moved to Peterborough, then we moved to Trenton, and then my two brothers showed up, and then from there we went to Sudbury, to Sault Ste. Marie, after that, then back to Ottawa. Are you a military brat? Why'd you move so much? Uh, my dad, he was kind of, uh, he was a uh, high-ranking officer in the financial army. He worked for the um, Bank of Montreal, and he uh, his job was to go to these small sort of industry little working towns like military dairy mm-hmm. um mining paper and pulper uh, paper pulp pulp and paper pulp and paper pulp that's and paper. it <laughs> pulp and paper <laughs> i'm peter papa and i work in the pulp and paper industry um anyways uh so he would he would move into one of these troubled little towns that 
you know, was sort of suffering. And then he would fix up a branch. And that usually took about two or three years. And then he would be on to the next. And then he, he you know, then we went back to Ottawa. That's where our families are from. Kind of like a restaurant makeover, but with banks. With banks, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a, a less entertaining version of restaurant makeover, <laughs> Dude. maybe. Dude. <laughs> you know what we used to do on Sunday drives? Um <laughs> this is funny. We I just thought it is normal, but we would go on a Sunday drive. My dad would be like, "Yeah, let's go for a little drive," and we go and check on homes that you know. And, and we walk into a home, and it was just like just abandoned, or you know, there was still stuff there. And we just, I just thought it was normal. But these were bank, these were homes, like foreclosed, homes? foreclosed homes. No and, I, and my dad was like, "Don't touch anything," because we'd be like, "Oh, look at this cool thing," or "Bim bim." My dad was like, "Don't touch anything." But that was our that was our Sunday drive, and you get us ice cream, and uh, we go check on homes that were. And foreclosed. there was no business motivation behind it. That was just just to pass the time and show you guys the houses. No, or was it they like had to do that to make sure that people were not living there, squatting, or squatting, or going in and you know taking back their TV. I guess mm. at that time there was no flat screen TVs right. or Xboxes, but a lot of effort goes into taking back a floor model or a tube TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's you and a couple buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was our, and we just, I thought that was normal. Then years later, I was like, that's kind of messed up. Mm. My dad's had his, uh, you know, people, you know, when you take somebody's home away, um, you know, I've been yanked out of school because, you know, you know, you take somebody's home away. Some guy's like, I'm going to kidnap your kids. My dad's had a gun to his head several times, you know, all this stuff. And it's just like, wow. So it's kind of like being a financial cop army dude for sure especially when there are weapons involved but yeah. I, but i always thought about that like repo guys i mean that is one tough racket because again you're doing your job and and you yeah know, just people aren't paying their bills so you gotta go go and and take their home their homes of all things yeah like they're doing their job so they can support their family exactly by taking stuff away from you and your family yeah what a what a weird system. Eh? When did you realize that was kind of fucked up? Like at what? <laughs> you know what? It wasn't till theater school mm-hmm. where you know we're sitting around, t- you know, talking about stories or memories, and you know, I blocked out a lot of my childhood because it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and uh, just in sort of talking about you know growing up and sharing stories in theater school where you you do that sort of thing, I was like, oh, that's that's really weird. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, Sunday drives, they were great because there was this great little, you know, restaurant. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what we were doing. When it clued in, when I got optics on what it was. Yeah. You know, but when you're a kid, you're like, cool. We're just checking up on these houses. Yeah. And that really is something that you do in theater school. You really have to dig yeah. deep. I mean, that's the key to any any good actor is you got to just strip away everything. Well, and I walked in just going... You know what? Call me Monk. That's my nickname. That's what everyone... I had long hair down to here, and I had a <laughs> nose ring, and I was just like... I thought I was going to be the next biggest thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Just ego out to here. And then you start doing these exercises, and you're like, oh, and you start looking inward, and you start tuning your ears and your body, and you know, you're away from home. Yeah. I was away from home for the first time, so I was just like... I was flattened. I actually took a year off. I, I did one year. I, I left at the end of first year. I took a year off to do some navel gazing and going, what am I actually? Because I was pretty much one of the youngest people in my class. Where did you go a, to theater school? I went to George Brown. Okay, cool. And um, I, uh, 
Yeah, here in Toronto, and and um, I, I was away from. I, I had no life experience. I came from the suburbs, you know, and I was just. I thought how I would, old were you at the time when you I was came? like nineteen, mm-hmm. nineteen or twenty, mm-hmm. nineteen, and um, so I took a year off, and I went and got an agent. And did a lot of background work in yep. film and TV uh, stuff, and was like, "Oh, this is cool." And and I was like, "This is great." And then I went back and did a first year again, kicked ass. Did second year, and by second year, I was getting a lot of offers, and my agent was like, "Hey, you know, like, let's get this going." And so I kind of left theater school, and they were like, "No, you can't," because I was I was actually not showing up for class because I was shooting. Right, and then I show up to school and be like, "Yeah, that day on set, what'd you guys do?" You know, sort of thing. And they didn't like that. And and, and uh, uh, yeah, and that so, must have fed into the uh, "I'm gonna be the next big." Thing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it did. Fucking ego. Yeah. And uh, so then I uh, I left uh, theater school. I did a play. I uh, ran into uh, that's where I met Rachel Wilson, who introduced me to. Um, uh, her agent and then so I got an agent and then a couple months later I book a role on uh, CBC's Riverdale wow so I went from that making like quick then six thousand dollars a year to like sixty right thousand dollars and yeah. I was like whoa yeah I went right I just I got my actor card and just I was thrust in it and I was a, and I was a series regular how old were you at that point? I was about 24 yeah 25. That's, that's awesome just b- I just want to go a little bit before that. So before you before you decide to go... Wait, to what first, happened to derailing? I want to go right <laughs> to the derailing. Let's go to the dumpster fire that is my life. <laughs> do you have any brothers and sisters? I do. I'm the oldest of three. Oldest of three. Uh, Anthony Christian Potenza, that's me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Justin Alexander Potenza mm-hmm. is uh, the middle brother. And uh, I call him Jake. I renamed my brother. Now everyone calls him Jake. <laughs> Awesome. And then uh, Nicholas Joseph Potenza, my uh, youngest brother. I like the middle names. Feel free to leave some details out, by the way. No, I'm joking. Um, um, Yeah, my real name is Anthony. Is it actually? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anthony Christian Potenza. So you you flipped it for showbiz. Well, see, the thing is, my dad being from Italy, Mm -hmm. and then there's that tradition of the firstborn son of the firstborn son to be named after the grandfather. That's why you got a bunch of Tonys running around the place, right? Right, right, right. So my mom not being Italian was like, nope, nope, we're going to call him Christian, but on paper, it's Anthony Christian Potenza. Anthony. Your father, first generation Italian? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. right off the boat. Right off the boat. Which yeah. parts of Italy? Firenze, the do you, ankle. Do you ever go back? Do you ever, I've never been. You've never been? I've never been. I'd like to go, but I want to go with my daughter. Right. She's just turning 13 this year. I, I, I'm going to wait till I'm going to wait till I have some money and some time off yeah. to actually go and like spend a month. Because you must still have some family and some ties. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. All over the place. And is your family uh, like an artistically supportive family or is this completely out of the norm? When you tell your parents, what, what, what gave you the acting bug? Like when did you decide, shit, I want to do this? Was it always a lifelong dream or did it kind of happen organically in some weird you way? Know, it, it, it kind, you know, looking back at all the seasons of my life and career, you realize that all the paths that you've taken and the peaks and valleys, they all get you to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So I um, I actually I wanted to be a photographer. 
that was my first thing. I wanted to be a photographer or a chef. And I wanted to work for at, a young, at a young age. Young age yeah. I wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to work for National Geographic and or I wanted to be a chef. Um, pursued it a little bit, not much, but then I was always the class clown, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was always a little bit different. And I guess, you know, if, if I was to be in this generation, I'd be like, that kid has wicked ADHD, you know? Um, they, they found out at a young age, um, well, with my brother, they, they, he was having problems in school at like grade one. They tested us all. They found out that he was dyslexic. And they tested us all, and they found out that I was learning disabled as hell. I, I, I have a form of dyslexia, but it's with mathematics. You know, like no chronological order. I have a huge problem with chronological order because it's all pictures and stuff, but I've coped, right? right? So it's all pictures and stories and <laughs> lies or fantasies, whatever you want to call it, but that's my reality. And so that's why... Uh, you know, I had a tough time during school, so I was the class clown. Right. Cl- uh, school for me was a social engagement only. Mm-hmm. I would literally walk away. I would not do homework. Just be- and I'd be like, I don't care. I really don't care. Get me to the get me to art school. And you knew when you were in high school, you knew you were you where you were going to go. Your path. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I made my dis- uh, when we moved to Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, everyone used to call me Chris, and then as soon as I moved there, I was like, you know what? After all those years of watching uh, Alan Alda on MASH and uh, Robin Williams on Mork and Mindy, um, that I wanted to be like that. And Saturday Night Live was now in the thing. And I was like, I want to be an entertainer. I just had that draw. So now I'm the guy that's doing the announcements. Now I'm the guy that's, you know, uh, doing um, uh, skits. Everything, everything, everything. I was doing Ed Grimley skits in like grade six or seven, and I was like, I was, I was break dancing. I was the first guy to learn how to moonwalk in my school, right? You know what I mean? I was that guy. I was driven that way to entertain and try stuff and art, and art, were, art, art. Were people at your school guidance counselors or, or otherwise tell like telling you you got this? You've got a gift. You got to kind of mm-hmm. pursue this. Oh, I remember saying, you know, in grade six, because when I. We moved to Sault Ste. Marie because I, I, every three years we moved. So I got a chance to start over. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, my name is Christian. You call me Christian. And then all of a sudden these colors started to show up. My mom wasn't dressing me for fucking school anymore. You know, it was like I was choosing and it was just weird stuff, you know, not the norm. And I was able to flourish. And then I remember telling, you know, in, in that grade six, seven and eight, you're starting to do that. SGIS, that student guidance thing, like, what do you want to do, your mm-hmm. aptitude and all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I just remember saying, I'm going to be an actor. Grade six, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor. And w- what did your mom do? My mom raised three <laughs> handful. So uh, she was like boy. a stay-at-home mom? She was, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so your dad doing what he did and your mom, when you tell them that you want to be an actor, what's the reaction? Because you're from Ottawa. It's not necessarily the hub of acting. Well, and my dad being, you know, an immigrant, and he was the only one that spoke English in his family. Right. He, his childhood was kind of ripped from him. My dad was an artist. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was a painter. He sang in this choir that toured. Um, and he kind of had to put that aside because he had to grow up real fast. You know, and so when I expressed art, you know, like my interest in art and in the arts and performing, nope, 
nope, nope, nope. It wasn't until I was like 16 years old and I went with my friend Phil Sampson in high school because he was going to audition for uh, a play at the Ottawa Little Theater. Oh, yeah. I've done a show there. Yeah. Yeah. And I went with him and we... They ran out of people. I just went to support him. And it was for Broadway Bound. And he was auditioning for The Brother. And... Um, I had gotten a sheet, like a signing sheet, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'm not gonna do this. And and they sort of were running out of people to read for the younger part, the lead. And I was like, ah, you know what? I uncrumpled my thing, I said, what the hell? So I get up there, I end up booking it. And I was playing Eugene Morris Jerome from Broadway Bound, which was, uh, Matthew Broderick played it in mm -hmm. Biloxi Blues, and mm -hmm, Jonathan mm -hmm. Silverman played it in, uh, well, Broadway Bound, and what was the other one? There was three of them. There was a trilogy, the Neil Simon play. Anyways, that was my first taste, and I was like, holy crap. And that's where my dad turned, too, because I had hid that from him. I had hid everything artistic, because he even pulled me out of plays before, like, you know, the day of, because it's just like, you're not supposed to do that, you know? Right. My grades suck. I'm not playing sports anymore. You know, I'm skateboarding and uh you know hang around the wrong crowd and stuff like that so anyways it's just it 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 uh that's where it changed for him and that's what it sort of legit legitimized me right. as an actor and i was like yes this is my calling i was the lead i was doing monologues i could hear people crying and laughing yes. and, I was just, and i'd never done anything before and i was just like oh my god and then you're hooked i'm yeah there's you're no going back you're hooked in deep yeah there is no going back you know it's funny though too because that role that first thing i did with no training or anything raw you know i sort of did this new york thing you know where this was my accent you know where mm. i was like hi eugene morris jerome you know that was the thing and every time because i got so much encouragement I sort of wired myself so every time I'm acting like the years to come when I walked into theater school every time I was doing some serious acting I always went to this sort of voice every time because that's what I associated good acting with right, right. so I kind of screwed myself a little bit when you get that script last minute and um, you know your friend they're looking for somebody and you go and you nail it and you do it Technically speaking, um, when you get the script, does your like quote uh, dis mild dyslexia or or ADHD does that does that um, make it harder for you to memorize? No, lines? you know why? Because even at grade six, when they say I'm at a grade two or three level math. I am now also in grade six. I'm at a grade 12 to 13 university level of comprehension. Right. So it's the, it's, it's the extreme. The pendulum has swung you know, to either side here. Um, but for me, when I pick up a script, instantly, instantly, I can, you know, I, I see an old man sitting on a park bench. I've got a narrative already built in my head with soundtrack, with shots, with everything. Like he's just sitting there feeding pigeons and I've got a whole backstory and where he's going after that. I've created a short film because that's the way my mind works. So it's always based on the narrative. So I can pick up a cold read and be right there. And hot. That, and that really is the key to good acting is that narrative, that, that backstory, because, you know, new actors tend to be so scared to make choices, but that's what, what you know, directors, casting directors recognize uh, if you come into the room and you've made these concrete choices also, the style has changed for right. acting. The style has completely changed. It In what way? Well, 
first of all, kids, because of the technology, are way more savvy. Mm-hmm. Not so much as the craft, but their brand. You know what I mean? So they know how to manipulate the technology, the audition process, the, uh, the camera, and they know how to do it. But, you know, you stick them on a stage or it's like, you know what? Improv this scene is different than 10 years ago when I started, you know, or 20 years ago, sorry, when I started what I was trained for because now they're, you know, it's a little less sloppy. Like they don't care if they get a sun flare in the thing and, you know, it's really, really emotional, but it's, it's all really low key. Mm -hmm. It's all really like, especially because of reality television, because of people on YouTube, just being them, it's personality. It's almost the amateurs just by being them, they consider that acting. Right. But that's them sort of, just doing something, but you put, you put a script in front of them and it's like, hit your marks and we're going to do it. You know, we got to do, um, you know, we do a wide and then we come in for, you know, certain angles and then we come in for your close up. They know right now that they're going to save their best for their close up. Right. You know, they know that, uh, if they, you know, they know their, they, they know, at this age, because of the technology and doing shooting stuff and editing on their phone, that they don't have to do a lot of the acting. You know what I mean? Whereas we we were brought up, it's like whether there was a camera there or not, we're doing this. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and it, whether if you're in a two-person shoot and it's the other person's close-up and it's over your shoulder and you're doing your lines, yeah, just still got to do it. Act it as if you know it is your close-up. Yep. Right. Yep. But they don't. They don't do that. They That's don't what you're do that. Saying. I, they don't do that. They phone that taken because they know when they get the close up, then they'll really. Yeah, and if it's on me, because right. we got to go over my, you know, over your shoulder to do me. Yeah. They are just they're phoning it in. They're not engaged until they get to them. And that's a disservice to you because the acting partner is your everything in every scene. You have mm-hmm. to rely on them. And if the other one's phoning it in, it's kind of fucking you in a way because because you can't kind of engage in that way. Well, and nobody's coming up with their own style. Right. You know, there's no one's coming up. They're, they're big on their, their own brand and their brand conscious now, which was something we never even heard of yeah. back then. We were just doing it and trying to do it better each time and not... And being engaged, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and now I find that they don't even expect you to be they're, they're doing an imitation off of something that they saw before. So it's like it, they're they're not it's not generated from within. They're, they're doing an imitation of somebody from a thing that they saw. And that comes across on screen. It's people just Huge. Sp- sp- spitting their lines out and you can tell it's it's not it's not. And people I find. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the, the newer people coming up seem to have less of a respect for the craft of acting because acting is extremely difficult. Well, we talked about how it changed, right? Yes, yeah. it is difficult, but you got to keep current, right, with the trends and with everything. Right. So when I first started showing up on the scene and I was auditioning for these sci-fi shows or cop shows or anything, the new style had changed. So instead of like doing your lines and I'm doing my lines like this yeah. and I'm, the, I'm a cop, 
now because of the popularity of the show X Files. Mm -hmm. So now you're saying words that you don't even understand, and you know how they get through with that because you, you notice in the X Files, I noticed we called it X Files acting because you get these lines. It's like, how am I going to remember all memorize all these weird words and police and legal jargon and science, blah blah blah. You know how you do it? You just talk like this. And you just go through it like this. And if I go, you know, even if I needed a new flux capacitor, well, I'm going to get a new flux capacitor. Right. Instead of the old way, which was, I need a new flux capacitor. Right, right. What yeah. the fuck is a flux capacitor? Yeah, yeah. There's none of that. It's like, I need a new flux capacitor. What the fuck is a You know, and it was just underplayed. And that trend was started to carry on where it was the director or even in commercials it wasn't grand it wasn't everything it was like throw it away that was the note throw it away more natural smaller 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 so I, yeah so that's what happened and now it's reached a point where it's got so corkscrewed amoeba shaped and incestuous that the acting style is it's become mimicking and it's mugging basically in impersonation and it's just an imitation that isn't even consistent. Right. So it's they're, diluting the art form uh, in a way. They're yeah. not showing any arcing anymore. Right. They're just doing their scene and they're like, what's next? Yeah. What's next? And then you see it and you're like, oh my God, you, that actor and that actor are in two different fucking movies. Mm -hmm. And they're not even listening to each other in the scene. They're just hitting their marks and they're doing their thing and it looks good. You know, they're basically doing selfies. Yeah. Right. Right. That's it. And there's no arcing, like you said, so you don't have that crucial drop or that, you know, in a scene when you have to have that emotional shift, yeah. it's not as apparent as, as, as it used to be. And But what I find is uh, what, what kind of, uh, by contrast, what lights a fire or should, but it not necessarily, uh, it doesn't necessarily, is then you get these highly trained actors from the UK come over and just take over. Like you look at a Benedict Cumberbatch, for example. These people are so fucking trained and they work at their at their craft mm -hmm. so long. Next thing you know, they're the, the biggest thing in Hollywood. Dude, uh, listen, I, I've seen it because Canada used to be a just a service industry to um, the American entertainment industry. That's all we were mm -hmm. because we would... You know, they would come up here and they'd shoot the stuff and we were left with the waiter, the blah, 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 yeah. and, and, and uh, the concierge and little bit parts, one-liners. And I'm, I'm on set and I'm seeing people that are like multi-award-winning Canadian actors doing this one line and acting circles around this stupid American prop that's making quadruple... Yeah what this Canadian actor is making and we're just happy to get overtime. Yeah. And I'm like, but you see that, that also that Canadian actor, he's also, and she's also on a bunch of kids cartoons. Right. They've got a couple commercials. Oh, they're in the, you know, the uh, Stratford musical and da, 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 Whereas these other people are just like, this is what I do. This yeah, is what yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, feel me. <laughs> and and it's it's like it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And with this new style of um, acting, as you've described over the last few minutes, it makes acting seem so easy, especially when it comes to like film and TV, because it is so dissected in scenes, and you can do, you know, put most of these people on a stage and do a two-hour play. And uh, do you need to take that? No, you know who that is. That's Toby Proctor. 
He's the voice of Tuxedo Mask on Sailor Moon. Oh, shit. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. That's him. Um, yeah, we'll talk about those guys. I got to... Yeah, let's... Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> let's talk some more. Acting, schmacting. Let's talk about me and how awesome I am with my friend, my cool friends. Let us. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, because yeah, it it it, it kind of dilutes the the art form. Because again, when you act in a film or TV, it's so dissected. You do a short scene, you don't do it all in one take. You you you, you split it up so many times, and it's underplayed. But again, put any of these people on a stage to do a two-hour play, and and there's no way they're out of their element completely. And that's when the real craft uh, uh, comes in, you know. Yeah, and, and I can see it. Like, I can see acting. Like, we were watching something, and, and there are certain actors that I just, like, ugh, my God. Not not just because of the God that should be me. Right. But, like, also, how did they get there? Mm-hmm. How did they get to being... Okay, let's just talk about it. James Franco. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand because when he talks, he doesn't even get, he fully formed the words. You know, he's just like, he's blowing the comedy moments just even in his speech. It's called pataka. You know, like, get your fucking mouth around the words. I don't particularly, yeah, he's a good looking guy, but he's, he's more of a personality. But like, why do you put him in all these dramatic roles? And then especially comedy. Mm-hmm. Why is he in a comedic role? He's not funny. There were so many missed opportunities, but it's those kind of things that just go, there is no rhyme or reason to this. And also, that was not my, because I, I think that should have been me. Right. But then I'm like, but that's just my egotistical view of myself. Mm-hmm. It was never mine to begin with. That's one thing you realize if you don't get a part, even if you get close, it was never mine to begin with. That's right. Well, right? that's an evolved way of thinking because a lot of people get begrudge, begrudge, like uh, bitter and and. Uh, but that's also a time, uh, like times are changing in the industry where studios are now looking at your. If there's a couple guys up for a part, they will sometimes make a decision based on their online following. Oh, dude! You know what? You brought it up. It. It really does come down to, I mean, this is why I do spend a lot of time uh, with Facebook and my YouTube channel and and upkeeping a sort of an appearance with uh, with social media because, yeah, it, it, it comes down to me, you, and some other guy, and we're all in the mix. Who's got the biggest following? Yeah. And I know that I have been, because of my YouTube channel, I have been given day plays on certain cartoons because I go in and investigate the cartoon and just go, hey, today I'm on blah, blah, blah. Let's check it out. Oh, look who it is. It's Scott McCord. Let's have a little interview with Scott McCord. And it's free press because in Canada, we don't promote our cartoons, even though we've got world stage cartoons, huge, huge successes around the world. In Canada, we're like, meh. That's why I only do Canadian or American conventions right now. I do small American conventions where I get to hang out with the kids, with the fans, because my fans are all now 25 and older or just, you know, in the mid, their mid-20s. And what I hear from them all the time is, dude, you were part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. You, dude, you're my memories. I'm like, you know what? Tell me about it. Yeah. 
so now I, I don't sit in front of, you know, just a booth and just sign stuff. I'm like, you know, I put it aside. I set up a little showroom and I come on the other side. I was like, yeah, I got some swag here, but yeah, let's tell me about it, man. Let's talk it. Let's talk it out. And so I'm not just selling an autograph. I'm selling an experience because I had no idea. Apparently I was there for them. Right. But I was just filling my ego and doing something, but it's much, the optics on it is so much when you're an actor, when you're in, when you are recording cartoons you, and you're making films, you're creating memories for other people. Absolutely. That gauge their life. You know what? I gauge my timeline by music. Mm-hmm. I'll hear a song go, oh my God, that was the best time of my life. Or like, oh, it reminds me of that girl that chewed me up and spat me out, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that's how I gauge my timeline. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's the playing field now, even for comedy. I mean, people used to, to hate, comics used to hate, uh, and most still do. You do a show, and to stand at the the door and uh, shake hands after, it was always seen as as needy, kind of like. What do you mean shake hands? Like good game, good game, like or, or just kind of like people come up and thank you. That was a great show, and you shake their hand and oh, oh thanks fans. For I fans. thought you meant with other comics. No, no, oh, okay. with with fans that like, come in out. People like it. Well, it used to be the cool thing to do your show and get the fuck out, go in the green room, and not talk to anybody. But but it's not about ego. It's about you know making these connections with people because those are people are the people. If someone comes to a show. And again, I'm just talking stand-up. And they know nothing about you, and they like your set, and then they meet you after you have a two, three-minute talk with them. They're going to come back and see you. Like, and they're yeah. going to bring friends. They're going to bring And they're going to follow you on Facebook, they're, and now they're your friends. Exactly. And they're going to be like, oh, man, we went to see this guy. I'd never heard of him before. It's super funny. Met him after the show. Great guy. And they will follow you. And, and that's kind of the... You're spreading your word. You know, you're you like the gospel of you know you and you're like check it out do you like it yeah i do like it i'll yeah. follow you yeah yep no i i have people tell me this all the time too it's like dude i'm at work i just follow you on facebook because it keeps me entertained mm-hmm. and that's why i run my facebook like a uh, like a magazine show mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm just like all well, over the and place you should. yeah this is the world we live yeah. in now yeah but it's true right because you spend Three minutes with them. Yeah. That's all it takes. All it takes. And now you've got a friend for life. Yep. They, and they will follow you everywhere. So you get a part in a movie and be like, I met that guy and fucking bumblefuck whatever. He was funny then. Now he's doing something serious? Absolutely. Or it's like, check him out. He just made a video about him making the best grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. And they'll share it, whatever. And they'll share it. This is just the world we live in. Let's get back to you. Again, derailed. We'll, we'll come back. Uh, so... <laughs> You go to George Brown. I wonder how much of my life is derailed, and I don't even realize. It's all optics, right? <laughs> no, not your life. I mean the conversation. No, but I just mean I, because I, I talk, I, I, I follow the energy. I yeah. go wherever, right. like, yeah, I zig and I zag. Yeah. I just, I wonder how much of my life is spent derailed, and I don't even realize <laughs> it. Maybe I'm happy. <laughs> the, the podcast, this is what we do. We go all over the map. But if we don't come back to something we touched on, I will get emails about it. Like, if we start a thread and then it takes us somewhere else yeah. i will i will definitely hear about it so just to go back to um so you're at george brown you do the first year i do a first year and then i take a year off you take a year off you're and then i come back i do a first year and then second year and right near the end uh, we had an exercise called vocal mask which was our end of the year thing that we're graded on 
I left after that. It's kind of like your big, ha, 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 I'm out. So, you know, and... Uh, and you were booking things throughout this. I was these... booking things, and I started working, and I was like, you know what? And they, they kind of got a little... Um, they got kind of got a little... Mm, they weren't cool with it. Right. And looking back, I was like, I see why. Because it's, you know, even though they said we weren't an ensemble, mm-hmm. you know, um, I... I I left and I started working and it's funny because technically I did do three years at George Brown. I did two first years and a second and in one second year. And then because I had reached success, you know, I was in the George Brown newsletter as being like a graduate of George Brown. And I was like, I'll take it. Was it a three year program? Or? It was a three year program. Okay, but you did two. I did. Technically, you did three, but technically you, you got yeah. out of after two. I don't have a diploma. Right. Gotcha. You know what? I don't even have my high school. No way. I do not have my high school. Did you drop out? Why? No, I didn't drop out. It's what happened was I I needed one more credit. And ever since I hit grade 11 English, I hit a snag because I was a cocky actor now. And every time we discuss plays and or, you know, uh, a novel, a book report or, or whatever it was, I had issues because my I was like... I'm at university level, you know, like I'm, right. I'm up here. I thought I was better than the gym teacher that's teaching me English. Right? <laughs> right. So I get into arguments and I'd be like, you know what? Screw it. And they would fail me. And so I was like, so that started in grade 11. So then three years later, even to the point where I, I got accepted into theater school at George Brown. I was going to say, how does that happen with so, a diploma? Listen to this. So I, I get, I get it accepted into George Brown and I'm like, I have to, I have to get, I need, I need that final credit. So I sign up for a uh, summer school and this is my last summer in Ottawa, but how old are you at this point? I was 18, 18, 18. Yeah. The summer I was 18 and I was like, I got it. I got to get this thing. And, um, we, I was doing summer school and, <laughs> uh, we, the final book report for summer school was one floor of the cuckoo's nest. So, I had just a year or two before that, I was playing Billy Bibbit in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. I had, I, I knew the play inside out. I knew the movie. I knew the novel. I knew everything. So I get into a fight with my teacher again because she was seeing it one way and I was like, I actually, I did the play. I played Billy Bibbit. Don't talk to me about symbolism. I know this motherfucker, right? And then I ended up calling her Nurse Ratchet. And I got sent to the principal's office. I was like, screw this. I don't care. Because in two months, I start school right. in Toronto. Mm. So see you later. So I get there, and I'm just waiting for them to go, actually, uh, we didn't get your transcripts. And nah, nah, nah. But I auditioned for theater school. And I don't think they care. Maybe if they did. So I was like, well, I'll make it up when I'm somewhere. I'll do it this summer or whatever. Or correspondence. So or, you, didn't, you didn't lie about it or anything and say you had a I diploma. just didn't mention it. Right. I just didn't screw you. <laughs> so then I go to theater school and then, you know, life takes, it blossoms in front of me. I follow the energy. I'm rocking it out. And then I, uh, and the next thing I know, I'm leaving theater school because I'm working. And yeah. I was like, I don't have my high school diploma. And it's so ingrained in you, right? To, to uh, you I know, you need a high school education. I was like, no, you don't. Right. You need education. You need education and you need experience. And I mean, at that point, for you, there was no plan B. Obviously, you had no high school diploma. This was it, right? Yeah. You were going to be I was already in. And fuck it. Like, yeah. You were just, this was going to be your thing. Yeah. And what what uh, sort of things were you booking towards the end of your second 
slash third year of George Brown, were you getting commercials? Were you it getting- was it was started with some commercials, yeah. but it was all serious. And the first sort of things I started, uh, I was playing a lot of like drug users because I was thin too. I was like really skinny and tall and just, mm. and um, you know, it was brooding teenager-y stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was a lot of like rapist drug overdosey guns uh um weasley characters mm-hmm. real act and a lot of character stuff a lot of stuff with wigs uh, a lot of stuff with prosthetic like makeup and and stuff which was great it was a character you know it was heading towards character acting and then and then i uh i auditioned once i got into riverdale where i was playing a young rookie cop then i was like cuz i had sort of gingery hair mm-hmm. then it was like oh I went from the bad guy to the good guy. I started playing rookie cop and just best friend guy, you know, sort of goofy guy. Yeah. And then I started getting into, I did commercials. And then because of that laugh, that, (laughs) then it slipped into doofus hoser party guy. Yeah. And then because I was making bank, you know, I went from craft dinner to prime rib, like in like a couple months, right? So I put it started putting on weight. I started drinking a lot. I was doing drugs. I was making money. I'm 25 years old, and I'm making six figures. And it just started escalated. And so then it went to just pure comedy, the you know the dramatic guy that was going to be the next you know. You know, I wanted to be Holden Caulfield. You know, I wanted yeah. to be the the young Gary Oldman, the character actor. And then all of a sudden I was in commercials and I was like, the money went even up more. Mm-hmm. And then I was a doofus guy. I was like, <laughs> and then I started believing that. I remember booking this uh, for Molson X. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, I have been having a lot of sex lately, that, that campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, that went on for a couple of years. And there I am getting paid $3,000 a day to go to the to the Molson Indy and hand out laptops and fucking car keys to people, you know, for trucks that were giving away. And they're like, guys, label out, always have a beer in your hand, party, and there's hot chicks everywhere, and just getting the shot, getting the shot, eh, handing out cars like it was three thousand bucks a day for three days straight. I'm making ten grand. I'm partying my ass off. It's just unlimited. Get in the car, guys. We got another party to go to. It was just like, yes, acting is awesome. So then it started getting blurry. Because that meant success. Right. I was on TV. I remember booking so many, like, you know, I did a guest star on Twice in a Lifetime. And while I'm watching that, and I'm the guest star, right? And and I'm watching that. And then it goes to commercial break. And they play two of my commercials. And they come back to me, open on me. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> I'm 26 years old. That's unbelievable. How many, list, list off some of the commercials. Because for a while there, you were... Every commercial. Yeah. And see, back then, commercials were different. We were shooting them on film. They were mini productions. Right. The style has changed now. Mm -hmm. It's basically down to a GIF and a meme. Right. That's what commercials are now. And the whole style of like awkward, weird, random. And small because commercials used to be, it used to be big and everything's positive in a commercial. It's got to be, everything's happy. Yep. Even if you're talking about herpes, it's everything's kind of like light and big. And now, and I kind of knew that. And now I I go for audition commercials and they're like small, 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 plate small. And it was uh, a different style back then. And you, when you were a commercial uh, when you were on commercials, you were you were a celebrity because it didn't matter what channel you watched back then. 
you were on every channel. Yeah. So you just were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of made you a celebrity. I mean, I still have people coming up to me going, let's get naked from that Tostitos <laughs> yeah, ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that was 10. That was almost 20 years ago. And I mean, back then you had to have some chops in commercials. Now yeah. they're, all you need is a face. Yep. Uh, really, that's all, the, that's all that they look for. Well, they're using a lot of non-union people for... Um, for stuff now because of YouTube. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be an actor. It's just because, hey, you know that, ain't nobody got time for that. You know, yeah, they're yeah. like, get me a non-union actor to do that because I just need it for my business, you know, and I, I'll give them like 300 bucks instead of the 3,000 bucks. What are your thoughts on, on acting in commercials? Some like purist thespians like look down on it for some reason. I don't get it. I always thought... It's a, any way you can get a foot in the door, do it. It's onset training and you, you get to be around the I'll, environment. I'll tell you this. Commercials, they can, do, they can do two things. And they, in my case, they did both. They, they also, they, what they can do is, get, yes, you can get experience and you get exposure. Mm -hmm. Great. But it can also pigeonhole you right. and isolate you. As just the commercial guy? As, as your performance, because there's a lot of times where I was up for something, a dramatic role, but when they see me as the yellow toothbrush, they're like, nope, because he's recognizable, I'm not going to put him in this, this dramatic role because, right. yes, he's a great actor, and yes, we want him, but the broadcaster or the, um, um, you know, because I could have like, a, there I am yellow Listerine toothbrush going <laughs> twice a day. <laughs> and then the next one, you know, I, I'm not, they're not going to put me in a dramatic role with me with a gun in somebody's mouth going, give me your fucking money. Right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. no, they're not going to believe that. Right. It's, it's the, the Jim Carrey effect, you know, it's just like they, they won't do it. So it depends where you want to go with it. And kind of on the same thread. Okay, so that's that answers that question. What about background work? Work because I um, so I because th that can also establish you as like oh, a background actor, and it's hard to break from that. From what I'm from what I'm told, like my agent refused. She was she was like, I'll never ever do background work. No, if you want to be, you know what, represented if, by me. Yeah, and she has a point, of course, because you, she's not making money off you and your potential. Look, if you're a good, if you're a good dishwasher, you're not going to make saucier. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and when you're first starting out, yes, go and get some experience, and also in the meantime, you put a few bucks in your pocket and make connect. And, and I'll tell you this: you're not going to, you know, you're not going. The people that that go to these things go, yes, it's a network and they put it on their resume and it's just like, they've been in every film and every TV show in the last three years. How is that possible? Are you the Highlander or a vampire or something? <laughs> Come on. But, but the thing is that's their reality and they see that as working and that's them. And great. Yes. It's very necessary. Look, even in loop grouping in the voice world, which is the background actors of voice. Mm -hmm. So they cut a scene together and, um, they cut a scene together and the two people, you and I are talking in a restaurant and then all the restaurant is going on in the background. So you know how they're all quiet. Well, they have to fill that with sound. So that has to be in, and they call that uh, loop grouping. So they got six guys, six girls. 
you know, and it's just like, okay, you two are the couple that's in the background. You're the waiter that wipes out, and you're the chef, nah, 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 and you're the customers. And you pick your part. You watch it on a big screen, and you act them out, and you're you're basically filling in the sound for the background actors. Now, when I wasn't working so much, I was like, I want to get into loop grouping. Forget it. You can't because that's like me going, you know what? I haven't done so much on camera stuff, so I'm gonna. I'm going to go do some background work, but you can't go down. And the other thing is it's good money and it's steady work because all these shows need, but it's a small community mm -hmm. and they don't want some guy who was the lead in thing and is on every second radio commercial to come in and overtake their job. Right. So the, the question is background. It's like, yeah, you know what? There are some people they want to do background work. And that's all they want to do because they're they're doing correspondence courses in the meantime while mm -hmm. they're there. They're making work. Yes, but that's they don't care. I have some people that I've taught voice acting to that just want to do describe video at home as a side hustle. Great. Great. There you go. I'm going to train you to be a professional and go hunt for work and pull back the curtain to maybe, hey, get involved with loop grouping or, you know, get it. But they don't want to go any higher. So if you want to be a background actor, that's great. But be careful. Because you might not be able to get out of that. It's an eddy, and you're you're creating friends, and and it's most those people are so up on their actra rules, and uh, right. you know yeah, more yeah. than us <laughs> that oh, are working, sure, yeah. and they're all like, "Hey, that director talked to you. That's an upgrade, you know." And just here, they got the handbook, and I was like, "Are you kidding me, dude?" Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like throwing yourself in front of a car and going, "Oh, I'm, in, I'm collecting insurance," you know. It's yeah. like those act. They're, they're they're almost like that, yeah. you know. And I'm like. So you hang around that, you can't see past it. Right. You know what I mean? And do you think uh, from a casting director's point of view, whether conscious or subconscious, if they see on your sheet that it says, you know, the part you're going for, then you flip the page and it's like, would you be available for a background role? Uh, you know, if you don't get the part, would you do background for X amount of dollars? If you say no, I feel like it looks better... Again, whether they realize it consciously or not, the casting person will go, oh, he's not a background actor. Like, yeah, and like, you know what? And, and this is the thing. You say no because you can, you can lower the bar. You can lower your bar, and it's really hard to get it back up. Right. So it's up to you, man. Yeah. And I'm not here to judge. Like, you know what? There have been times where I was like, I'll do background work. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I can't even get a job in the public without being, hey, aren't you the guy from Men in it? I was like, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but I was like, I'm broke. Yeah. I'm broke. I'm not working. Yes. <laughs> here's here's all my awards and here's yeah. my demo reel. Will you hire me? Yeah. I'll paint your fucking fence right now. I'm yeah. broke. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's up to you and it's your choice. And, uh, you know... One of the best advice that I, one of the best tidbits of advice I can give is if you want to do background work, go do it. Mm -hmm. If you don't, don't and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You're not missing it. You can't dance at all the weddings, man. Yeah. And you know what? Because you turned it down, it doesn't mean, because you were already like, it feels bad. It reflects bad. No, it doesn't. They don't care. Right. They're trying to fill a slot. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And that person there isn't even somebody who's judging you. They're just taking that information and passing it on to someone else who doesn't even know you. Yeah. So forget it. Yeah. There's all these preconceived like th th philosophies and thoughts that go around. Like one that I hear all the time, because because I'm a stand-up comic first and I do I do some acting on the side. And uh, <clears throat> so I might have like some underlying cynicism or something, but anytime I hear 
I'll hear new actors go like, oh yeah, they're they're bringing me back uh, to see to, to audition for this thing. It's the same casting director as before. So my agent said that they like me, that they like me, but they're just waiting and to yeah. fit me in the perfect place. Yeah. I think that's bullshit. No, but, it isn't. Oh, it, it isn't. They're absolutely right. Really? Listen, there are times where you're auditioning for something, yeah, and you're auditioning for it, and in the back of their head. So every director, every producer, right? They're not just solely doing that thing. So you audition for something and you're like, you know what? I don't even know why I was brought in for that. They have a reason why. Right. Okay. So you're, you're, you're always, and this is, this is some good advice too. Every time you step into an audition, just remember, you're probably auditioning for three or four other things. I've auditioned for stuff and it's just like, I get a booking and I was like, I didn't audition for that. I know, but the director, remember, blah, blah, you went and auditioned for that. He was doing this other thing and he was like, he tagged you right away and he just said, we found our guy. So you got paper casted right there. You didn't get the other one. In fact, you were terrible, but he really likes you for this other thing. I was like, amazing. I just thought that was my agent sucking my dick. I, I just, because, but now that you say that, does your I, agent suck your dick? That's amazing. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I, switch agencies. Yeah, she takes ten percent instead of twenty five. <laughs> nice. Um, but no, she twenty five uh, or I don't know. I don't Fifteen. Know yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, we're learning a lot today. Yeah. But she uh, or I actually I I'm contradicting myself because I did go in for an audition just before Christmas. Yeah. And um, it was kind of this thing and. You know, often you know when you, you know when you kind of blow the audition, and then as I was leaving the room, the casting director said, "Hey, Julian, are you an actor?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Okay," and I said, "Is everything cool?" He's like, "Yeah, no, I'm looking for a, a, a Jesus for something else, so I'll be in touch." So yeah, that's exactly it, man. Right. You know, I'll get I'll get calls in a pinch, like, "Hey, Potenza, listen, I'm 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 looking for this." You know, uh, uh, I'm looking for that. Do you know anyone? And I'm like, yeah, let me get on that. Or it's like, hey, listen, we got this kid or we got this person. They're a little rough. Can you work with them for a bit? Absolutely. And I'm like, why didn't you consider me for the part? I didn't look like the Jesus. You know, I didn't look like the thing. But the fact is that they're calling me because it's just like, put some of your potenza shine on this thing for me, buddy. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I'll do you solid. Because I know that's going to come back to me, or they shoot me a couple bucks, mm-hmm. right? And that's part of the end. Just because, just because you're not acting doesn't mean you're not working in the industry. I do so much stuff behind the scenes because when I got overexposed, like that Listerine commercial was my swan song to all commercials. You never saw me after that because they're not going to hire that guy that dressed up as a yellow toothbrush to sell car insurance. Right. Nothing. That was it. That was it. That was it for me for commercials. Unless it's specific where they want my personality. So then I went on the other side and I started working with ad agencies and stuff. And, you know, this is back when they were like, we got to build content departments. This is when commercials changed. And so there I am just spinning out ideas. And there I am um, auditioning people and being a reader or directing the sessions for commercials. I was making money and you know, I wasn't getting the spot, but I was working on that commercial for two, three years because I was behind the scenes 
shaping. And I made probably more than I would have done if I would have done the commercial. And you've got a foot in the business. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're serving tables and waiting for yeah. the next audition. You're still within the, the arena. Of there are so many ways to make money in this industry without being on the camera. And you know what? I prefer it. The older I get, I'm like, you know, I, I took two years off because they weren't buying me anymore as the young frat boy, the party guy. And the thing is, I wanted to change. I had changed. Mm -hmm. I had changed on so many levels. And I wanted to go back to the original darker dramatic stuff. That's going to take time because you can't change. You can't metamorphosize. You can't have your cocoon on stage while you're doing that. You can't let them see you. You got to paper up your windows, walk away and go, I'm just going to do me right now. I don't give a fuck. And yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's turned to. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm not booking roles, but whatever. This is me right now. It's going to come. They'll, they'll catch up. This is me, you know, because at around 38, I started to change. I'm 44 now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm reaching 40. And I was like, I'm 38 now. I'm going to be turning 40. What do I, what does Christian Potenza look like at 48? Is he still Captain Christian Potenza of the Animation Nation Army? Is he still, <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. How do you get there? You got to do the work, son. And you got, and that, that, it, it requires discipline and you got to put your ego on the back burner when you completely kind of reinvent yourself. What ego? It, it Not even back burner. Right. Throw it out. You got to, you, you got to loosen the corset strings on the back of your skull that right to the bottom of your spine. You got to loosen it up. Mm -hmm. Shit's going to go flying out. Some mm -hmm. stuff's going to drop into place. Some stuff needs to be extracted. Uh, other things need, and then you need to rewire yourself and then you need to tighten it back up again to the tension that you want, right. not what's expected, not what you think it is, because now you're midlife and you're like, I know what's important to me. I choose my battles. And I mean, one of the big things to that contributes to success when you do that is ult like the most the ultimate belief in yourself. But do you ever have self doubts when you go through a transformation like that? Do you ever think, oh fuck, Shoot. am I doing the the wrong thing? Am I am I done in this business? Yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Well, this this is what happened to me. So. I had hit a real hot streak and it was going dramatic. I was, I booked a part on Orphan Black, mm -hmm. then Saving Hope. And what's the other, there was another, another hospital one. And it was all serious. Mind you, I was playing a somewhat of a comedic character in both of them. I was the lighter guy and, but still it was in the arena. And then in that summer, I book a part on a film called Idol's Eye with Robert De Niro and Robert Pattinson. Game changer. I've got a huge role. I'm number 11 on the call sheet. Robert De Niro's number three. I'm playing Robert Pattinson's right-hand man in this heist film, a true story about this, this gem that was stolen by these small-time petty thieves from a pawn shop that was actually a, a fence house for this crime, this mob boss. And at this point, are you thinking, fuck, this is life changing? This is it. This is it. This is it. This is the one. This is it. Now I have arrived. I have arrived. So this is in June, July. I don't say anything. It's just to my friends. And at that time, too, I was like, things were going well. And I also started doing this, this 
repurposing business where I was taking old materials like old barn board and making stuff out of things and recycling, upcycling and you know it was hot. So I started that little side business too because I just wanted something to do. I was starting to make money again and you know I was new Christian pretends I found my voice and it's going to happen. So I had this little side hobby going on as well. And that was made into a couple pilots with these reality shows going, oh, look at Potenza, you know, because he, he, he hosted Last Car Standing. He's a good host. And so HGTV Discovery was looking at me for this thing. And so we shot a few pilots about this. And it was looking good, too, on that front, you know, to have my own reality show. But what I was doing, and I was like, and I'm going to be doing this film in October that finishes shooting on my birthday. I'm looking at 120 grand. This is... My big ticket because I was going to sell my house, get my life back together and stuff because it had been a rough ride before that. Okay. Single dad, long other story. Um, and then three weeks into rehearsal, burglary school, dialect coaching, gun uh, stuff and, and getting ready for this. And I started looking like this. I'm, we're playing actual people from Chicago in the 70s. So I've got sideburns. I'm getting into the thing where I'm, I'm speaking like my guy and, you know, and, and, and it just, it was fucking perfect. I'm the first guy you see in the film. I come through this bank vault, like the, through the ceiling of this thing and I'm there and then I, at the end, I'm the last guy to get my head blown off. You know, to, that's what you want as an actor, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but fucking mob film with Robert De Niro, you know? <laughs> Three weeks into rehearsals, it gets canceled. Fuck off. Why? Why, why are they canceled? The because they distribute. Yeah, I don't know exactly. We don't really know. But I was handpicked for this role because we didn't audition. We went and talked to um, um, the director, uh, Asayas, uh, um, and uh, we had a an interview where he just talked to us and he's very much, he's, he's like a cans uh, director and stuff like look up the story on this guy. It's great. So he's producing this real life life heist film. And I guess the distributors wanted like a good fellas, you know, mm -hmm. the new good fellas, mm -hmm. but it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So it gets canceled. And I'm like, Whoa, but I glossed over that. And I was like, okay, it doesn't matter because I have my repurposing business. And stuff, I was really, like, and then I was, uh, then I auditioned for this other sh film, uh, this other thing, um, Fargo. I was I was up for a part on Fargo. And, oh, uh, yeah, and I was like, okay, there's still that, but that didn't pan up. But then, that was on a Monday that the film got canceled. Two days later, I get into a car accident. Shut the hell up. I wreck every, and then, and I was like, oh, fuck. So, I was like, obviously, like, my whole world came crashing down. And this lovely woman, Kate Lilly, who uh, was my partner with the Rustwood Junction thing and uh, a woman that I'd just been sort of hanging out with, um, she came and picked me up from my car wreck and drove me to an audition that day. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And and then we became really close. We were, we were sort of dating loosely, you know, here and there and just trying to figure it out. But I was like, I'm going to be a movie star, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I, I lost everything. And I was like, obviously, the universe doesn't want me to be an actor anymore. It just doesn't. So I quit. I walked from the industry. I said, fuck you. Why am I relying on this industry that is so unreliable and it's based on shit where the other people have the power over my life? I said, screw it. So I started doing this 
thing. And I started metamorphosizing and into who I want to be and not define myself by being an actor or that guy on TV. I was like, screw it. Screw it, because every time, you know, I do these conventions, and be like, dude, and I was like, what's up, dude? <laughs> and every time I went outside, hey, you Christian Patanza? That's right, brother. Yes, I am, man. You know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I don't know who this guy is. If it gone. So then I went on a long voyage for about two years. And in that time, I was like, if I go back, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? So obviously, my looks have changed. I mean, look at me now. I don't look like the same guy. I'm growing my hair longer. I'm growing this beard. I'm just, I'm just going to let it grow, and I'm going to sculpt it back into the way I want. I started working out. I go to the gym, started, left some bad habits that were crutches, and I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do my own cartoon, and it's in a different way, and I'll, we'll talk about that later. But then I was like, you know what? And I didn't want to be known as a voice actor. I didn't. I wanted to be known as an actor, not a cartoon guy, not a voice guy, but it was just like those were the only jobs I was getting. I was like, you know what? I'm a good voice actor. Mm. And you know what? I have a gift. And there's all these other people that want to be voice actors too. So I was like, you know, because I'm just borrowing this. It's not even my voice. You know, it's just I'm when I die, it's gone. You know, I'm just borrowing this. So why don't I share this with other people that want to get lifted up? So I'm like, okay. So then that's when I came up with this idea. Mm -hmm. I came up with this little traveling student. I go, you want to be a voice actor? Because the technology has changed and you want to get, you know, everything self-taped anyway and you can work from home so I, I came up with this model here and I teach people how to use this and I teach them how to fish and go get hunt for their own voice work and now we're friends so now because it's all this non-union work 87 to 93 percent of the voice work out there is non-union I can't touch it but what I can do is train you to become a really good voice actor and take a industry standard of 15 percent and manage you and your career as you go. And if you get into the union, get a principal agent, you're on a big cartoon, fucking awesome. Now we're friends. Now we're working together. But I'm like, pull back the curtain, let everybody in. The gatekeepers are gone because it used to be if you want to be a voice actor, you have to do it this way. And you only got experience by being in the studio, hanging out, booking the jobs. And that's what you made. I was like, no, you don't. You don't, everybody. And so that's where I'm at now. And I'm just like, here you go. And since then, I've made a total recovery and I'm teaching these people. I'm, I'm working 10 to 16 hours a week teaching people how to be voice actors, which is making my game like real sharp. Yeah. And I'm booking now more and more and more, but with a new voice. Right. Even this way, like the way I'm talking to you now is completely different than two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I found it. Now I'm happy. I'm happy because I'm getting fed by other people. And it's entirely within your control. You're not waiting for the phone to ring or you're not waiting for, you know, any on anybody else. Yep. You do it. You're in, in control and and that's awesome. That's the entrepreneurial spirit that'll get you uh, get you far. And this is the first interview that I've had back in 2 years. When did you start back? When did this car accident happen? 2014. Shit, man. And we and was it bad where you heard I wasn't hurt because I had my trailer on the back of my car because I was I had this 14 foot trailer or actually 17 foot with the tongue and it was I was driving a little Honda Element and I it was like November right so and the way it is now it's like cold nights warm mornings so it was just slippery ice and I just and the the trailer pushed me forward and I'm driving this little Honda Element I hit this other car so I kind of got squished instead of like thrown apart but if you look at the pictures of the car it's like why am i not in a wheelchair why am i not in a wheelchair mm. i don't understand 
And that's why I was like, you know what? They took it away. I saw a, a, this psychic once and they're like, you're going to, they're going to take it away from you. You are going to lose it all. And I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. When I get my Academy Award, maybe, you know? <laughs> and, and then, you know what? They did. They took it away because my ego was getting mm-hmm. to me. And I did, and I had been a single parent for nine, 10 years. And without that accident, because I talked to my girlfriend, Kate, and I was like, you know, if it wasn't for that accident, I would have been gone. I wouldn't be here with you. I wouldn't have changed. Right. I would not have changed. That, that, that car accident and me losing everything and declaring bankruptcy and fucking my whole life, the best thing that ever happened to me was that goddamn car accident. The thing I cursed, the thing that gave me PTSD mm-hmm. and made me not lose my edge was needed, you know? And it was just like, wow, life is funny. Life is funny. So little Mr. Christian, hey, man, how's it going? You know, it's funny, too, is I go to parties and uh, or get-togethers after. You know, this was once I sort of got a little more courage. And people were like, um, hey, man, you okay, Christian? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you just don't seem like yourself right now. You know, I just, I don't. I was like, oh, oh, because I'm not high as a kite. Or drunk going, <laughs> what's up? And I'm going to entertain you. I was like, I've never been happier. But I was like, I got to change it up. You mm-hmm. know, I got to change. I hit the low glass ceiling in this industry. And uh, and I always expected that it would get better. It would get better. It would get better. I mean, and that's the thing. You start making money. at Like, you start making six figures at 24 years old with no supervision. I want that. I'll get that. I'm going to fly over there. I just like relationship after I was married. I got married at 25. Is that the mother of your, your no, it's not. See, this is part of, (laughs) this is part of the, the wake of what the hell happened. So in those two years I took off, I went back, I went back to my teenage years. I was like, when did I start? making stuff up and believing it where where did i go off a bit let's get down to the truth of what i am i've had a spiritual awakening mm-hmm. look i'm all about the 1111 man my awakening code and my the rose compass right because my compass was spinning i just I, I recalibrated and i was like what am i like really what am i I just went through people and stuff for my own self gain. And because I, and I thought differently that I was it. Like I was there to save other people to, to enlighten other people, but I was doing nothing for me. Right. Nothing. Right. And now I'm back and I'm like, I'm producing my own cartoon. Mm-hmm. I just, I came back slowly and just, you know, I, I hooked up with Ivan Sherry, who is the voice of, uh, uh, Inspector Gadget, and he's also a big player with the voice guys over at uh, Ubisoft. No Does a lot of video games. Yeah. My buddy Toby Proctor, I've known for years. He's the voice of uh, Tuxedo Mask and Flash Gordon and uh, a bunch of other cartoons. And and he's a great actor. And I said, you know what? I want to I want to put together a sort of we'll do the conventions and I want to do it right this time. No more handlers, no more stuff. And we'll hit small ones where we talk to each other. You know, talk to people in, instead of just signing the stuff and you know, rethink the way we approach the fanship. And then we're going to revamp the YouTube channel because I wanted to use my YouTube channel to produce my own cartoon because I know that I could I could fund a cartoon with the amount I'm making and, and fan engagement and stuff like that. And I'm also going to teach voice acting. I'm going to put up videos. And I was just like, no, no, no. And over the last year, that's come to fruition. And here I am. So the thing that I stopped and was like, what 
where am I in control? Instead of waiting for the phone to ring, dance monkey, all that stuff, it's gone. And now I'm here and it's just like, <clears throat> but it's not me. It's all the people that I asked to be a part of it. Right. They're the ones doing it. David Stinson. I went to Tattoo. I remember coming back and I went to Tattoo Studios, went talk to Steve and Dana who run Tattoo. And I was like, I want to, I want to do my own cartoon and I want to teach voice acting can I you know can we do a partnership and they're like yes they introduced me to David Stinson and uh, without David without Toby without Ivan I wouldn't uh, my dreams wouldn't have come true and the thing is yeah it was called the Christian Potenza YouTube channel and yeah it was all under my umbrella but that just got us to a great platform mm-hmm. now it's called Switchboard and it's all of us working all of us on equal parts doing our part and i was like yeah and i it's kind of lessened the load for me but it's also like you're you're just a spoke you know and and a chain is as good as its weakest link and so without those guys and then after that we started doing stuff and then like here i am sitting with you we've known each other forever kind of on facebook but here I am sharing the story and I'm like, I'm listening to that sort of thing. And it's awesome because you just like, relax. You're not the funniest. Look, I'm not a stand-up comedian. So, I mean, I'd like to talk to you about stand-up comedy and voice acting and how that applies. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But I'd be like, I'd love to interview you for my channel mm-hmm. instead of, you know, all this. And that's the way I see it. I sort of like, take it down. Not even th- putting the ego on the back burner. It's just like, throw the ego away. Avoid it completely. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Wow, dude, how long did I talk? Did I? I think I went into a trance there for a second. Uh, talk about is, a derailment. <laughs> this is what we do. This is what we do. This is wow. why people listen. This is this is all good. You know, I should just show up once a month for therapy. This is great. <laughs> I'll just lay on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the setup is going to be. At, you will be next time you come in for part two because we we will do part two. You'll be sitting on the couch. It's, it's, I'm recalibrating the whole space. But just to go back uh, a little sure. bit. You said when you booked Idol's Eye, you felt like you have arrived, and yeah. this was it. Do you feel that way now? Now that you, you're more in control, and you've, you've you, you know, you... You know what? I don't know. I, that feeling of have arrived, I don't know if that's the case. You know what? The, I know I'm facing the right direction. Right. Because, see, back when you're in your early 20s and you're starting out, you're facing, you're facing the direction. You think, yeah, I'm going to go. You, you pitch the flag way out there and you've got a goal. Yeah. Right, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on a commercial. I'm gonna do, so you're, you're great. But even if you're off by a half a millimeter back then, just because you're going forward doesn't mean that you're, you're heading in the true direction to your goal. So compound that with like, you know, mistakes and victories and stuff you're getting further and further apart. So when you actually reach the flag, you're actually two miles off. Yeah, absolutely. So at least I know I'm facing true north and it's plateaued. Mm-hmm. I'm 44. It's plateaued. And I'm happy. For once, I'm happy. I'm just content with myself and the choices I'm making. Well, I mean, and having quote unquote arrived is so subjective. I mean, uh, I, I know a, fuck, a million people that would trade places with you to have your career just to book half of what what you've booked you know what i mean and to them that's arrived to me arrived is if you can make the same amount of money as i don't know a teacher doing what you're doing yep you've arrived it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're on every red carpet and uh whatever but you're making a living in a country mind you that 
that is definitely more challenging to to make a living in in what we do. You know what though? It's also the climate of the world. We're, the the world is in econ- the, the world is in a twisting corkscrew. Like we're molting the mm-hmm. the earth on a, a conscious level. The humans that inhabit it. The whole thing. The infrastructure is changing and molting and. You know, when I had that repurposing business going on and I was like putting up stuff on Facebook and I created a thing, I got a lot of calls from people in the industry going, you know what, I'm doing the same thing. And uh, listen, uh, I have some things for sale. And, you know, it's just you talk to other actors and it's just like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing Uber. I'm yeah, an Uber driver. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing catering and stuff like that. Cause, and, and on Facebook, it's like thumbs up, total actor life, hashtag. And it's just like, no, you're sad. Yeah, you're not working. Nobody's yeah. fucking working. Nobody's working. Don't give me this. <laughs> oh my god, two auditions in one day. How will I ever do this? <laughs> Hashtag actors life. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you so hard. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's yeah, no, good. it's all bullshit, and yeah. that's why I was image like, crafting. That's what social media is for, man. Yep, yeah. and you know what? You're not really happy, and that's why I stopped doing that. Yeah, I, I, I placate to the fans on my fan pages. Right, but even then, I got nothing to tell you about the show right i have nothing there's we we don't know we're waiting to hear and and also animation kids moves at a glacier's pace when i did i got booked for sidekick 10 years later we're shoot we're recording 10 years 10 years 10 years man holy shit but you know it's just one of those like honestly step back get over yourself don't project and that's why now i'm like i I put up stuff about voice if i make a video it's like hey uh, acting tip 125 don't ingest any dairy before you record mm. why because it makes you flammy like there's your video yeah yeah or, just content just yeah. content just keep keep pushing content out that's what will drive people to and, but it's it's like it's like the wood chipper is the wood chipper is like the size of your studio, yeah. but what you're throwing in is a toothpick anyway, yeah. right? You're yeah. just like, how do you, you know, how do you compete? I watched, I posted something the other day about this woman who smushes cakes and breads with her face in Korea, and she's got these millions of fans and followers, and I was like, why do I even bother coming up with something fucking cool when this chick <laughs> is making six figures by by wearing a choke collar? And dressed in a schoolgirl schoolgirl uniform and smushing bread with her fucking face. <laughs> Wait, how can I compete with that? Why is that good? <laughs> are you are you one of those guys that? Um, yes. That, that the answer think, is yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a dick, and you're one of those guys. Yeah, right? I'm one of those guys. You no, know, do you think that you can have a career in Canada? Obviously, I mean, you you've had, or do you think you got to go? Like, have you ever had any desire to go to L.A.? I and, lived in L.A. Oh, you have lived. Yeah, in LA. I've lived there. Listen. You, if you want a career in this industry, the answer is yes, you can have one. What does that look like? I don't know. You tell me. You tell me what your career looks like because I'll tell you this. Did I ever think that I'd be the, you know, a rock star to anybody 11 to 17 because I was, you know, on their favorite cartoon when they were a teenager? No idea. I did not see. Do you do you think I would be a, a yellow? Did I think I was going to be a yellow toothbrush? Did I think that was even? I didn't even know you could make money doing voice stuff. Yeah. No idea. I didn't even know. You know. And now that I'm not working so much, I'm like I'm teaching, and they always say those who teach can't. Fuck you. No, you know that's, what? That's it's all what you make it. Right. So you want a career in this industry? Yeah, you can have a career. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's background, you're doing it. 
So yes, the answer is yes, you can have a career. But what do you? What does that career look like? Quickly, I just want to kind of touch on this because uh, we didn't really get to it. What was your first? Um, um, and then we'll go for the close here real soon. What was your no, first? No, I want to keep doing this. <laughs> this is awesome. What was your first uh, voice gig? Like, how'd you go from on screen to to voice? My first voice gig was <clears throat> I was doing a lot of commercials at the time, and um, Marilyn Ridley and yep. Tom McGillis, who is uh, Marilyn Ridley, is the best voice director in the country, mm-hmm. North America. Mm-hmm. She's the reason I'm in cartoons. Tom McGillis. And who was work? Who is the creator of Total Drama and Sixteen? Um, before they opened up Fresh TV, he worked for Nelvana, and they were doing a cartoon called Bob and Margaret at the time. I remember the con- cartoon. Yeah, yeah he was uh, he was uh, directing it, and uh, Marilyn was the voice director, and um, so they had they had done an episode where Bob and Margaret had their a nephew come and stay with them. So they had an actor who had already voiced it, and I guess they weren't so happy with it. And this happens all the time in voice world. It's like you get replaced, they do a voice match, or they do a whole re-record. So I was hired because that they wanted that sound of that <laughs> hoser guy who just sounded like this, as opposed to the guy they had. So they hired me. I'd never done anything before, never been in front of us in a studio with a microphone. I've always been on camera. So I show up and they're basically, they're showing me how to put three sheets on the thing and I'm watching the cartoon and I'm voice matching it and they have the swipes. And I thought that's how they did cartoons, not the other way around where they animate it. So it was that, that got me in to cartoon world. Then Marilyn brought me in again for uh, a couple other things like brace face and these little little one-liners and here and there and I was like okay cool I'm getting and then I started to move into some broadcasting you know commercials and then I auditioned for a uh, a role and this is when I moved back from LA and uh, my voice had changed and I also had a little bit of ego and stuff like that so I come back and uh, I auditioned for a show called sidekick and they say he's a bratty 12-year-old guy. So I talk like this. And I got the part. And uh, that was for Trevor Troublemar. A couple months later, I auditioned for a cartoon called 16. And they said he's a chilled out 16-year-old skater dude. So I talk like this. <laughs> got the part. Then three years later, and this is 16 is going great. And I'm picking up little cartoons yeah. here and there. Three years later, I auditioned for Tom McGillis for <clears throat> a show called Total Drama. And I was auditioning for a bunch of other parts. And then he says, here, read for this one. It's a, He's a, he's kind of like an Ashton Kutcher and a Jeff Probst smashed in together, you know, sort of vibe. So I talk like this. <laughs> Got the part. Boom. Once Total Drama hit the air, bang. I'm this guy. But see, those three voices that put me on the map are the... Those three characters were the same voice. I talk like this. I talk like this. Wait, no. Trevor is like, I talk like this. Braddy. Jude. I talk like this. 
Chris McLean. I talk like this. It's the same voice, just different attitudes, three different paychecks, and now I'm a superstar. And I was like, so then I based my whole voice career around that same voice, that character, that laugh. Mm. <laughs> I'm the okay. Wendy's guy. Every time summer school lets out, I know that Wendy's calls me because, you know, I'm doing the late night guy. 99 cents. <laughs> How much are they? 99 cents. Oh, my God. 99 cents. And it's just because that voice is the poster child for stoner 420 late night menu guy. Right, right, They right. love it. <clears throat> People identify with that voice. But I base my whole career on that. Now that I'm 44 and they're putting out breakdowns like a Christian pretends a type and they're giving a voice reference and auditioning 18 to 24-year-olds, I had to change it up. So now I got a new voice. I got a bunch of commercials on the air and I'm doing other cartoons. <clears throat> you wouldn't know it's me. Is that right? And I kind of like the anonymity. I'm yeah, like, for sure. You know, I'm talking like this now. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you, you wouldn't know that I'm the announcer guy instead of like, I got tickets to the game, bro. Now I'm like... So I got tickets to the game. Who do I bring? My buddy Rick, my buddy Steve, or my wife? You know, it's like, (laughs) that's where I'm at. So it's like, I grew up too. My voice grew up, my voice changed. Speaking of perspective and um, having arrived and all that, to me, having arrived is having a Christian Potenza type on a breakdown. (laughs) Like that's like that's huge. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, so many young actors. That's so far fetched and far reaching to even think that their name would be like, oh, they're looking for a type, and it's you. And it happened on commercials too, because they're looking for a type. Right. They don't know what they're looking for. I tell all these people that I teach voice acting too. It's like they don't know what they're looking for until they hear it. So don't try and be perfect on something, especially voice on a radio commercial, because here's what happens: everyone that does voice for radio when they come in they're taking lessons from me they all start to do this and they all start to talk like this and then and and they got a certain cadence i was like whoa 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 first of all they've taken it when you're doing an impression of a robot voice what do i mean by that because in the 70s they started taking out air or breathing out of the commercials to shave time to get more content in there so when you're trying to do an imitation of that that's a manufactured voice but when you're actually doing it you're like (laughs) <laughs> must be 18 years of age, legal drinking age, instead of, you know, must be 18. Like, they're, they're, they don't understand the man. They're trying to do an imitation. Remember we talked about the yeah. actors trying mm-hmm. to do an imitation? Mm-hmm. They're doing an imitation. That's exactly what happens. And so the kids that are doing me and stuff like that, it's just like they don't get it. So doing an imitation, like I've been brought in and they, they, they say, just do you. Just do your thing. And I was like, I don't even know what that means at this point. So don't worry about when they they give a voice reference or a thing. Whatever that means to you, don't do an imitation. Do whatever that, you know, if they're looking for a Christian Potenza type, don't do a Christian Potenza imitation. Do whatever that makes you feel like. Just get into the, you know, whatever that does. Because even when you're voice acting... What you're doing is doing an imitation of somebody else, but coming, you know, it's coming through your filter. Mm-hmm. And everyone goes, whoa, what a great voice. They don't know that I'm doing Kevin Spacey. Right. They don't know that. They just think that I'm doing this voice, that I'm doing, and it's a bad Kevin Spacey imitation. But the thing is, I'm not trying to imitate him. I'm just trying to emulate that. Mm-hmm. So that's what they mean by when they give a reference. Right. But yes, 
it is a huge compliment. Confusing and compliment, but it's also disappointing too. It's like I've auditioned for stuff where they have asked for uh, a Christian Potenza type and I don't give my slate off the top and then I'll, they, they don't even put my name on it. Or I, I'll give, I've given a fake name a few times and I don't get it. Is that right? Oh, I've talked to other voice actors too. They're like, here, listen to this. And they're like, you just played me. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and we don't get the part because right. we don't, we don't, that's incestuous now. Right. How am I going to do Christian Potenza? And that's what I was doing before. I was like, I started, ended up doing, that's why I stopped working because I ended up doing a parody of myself, which I didn't even know what that was. I was interbreeding characteristics with fucking, I don't even know what, you know? So you can't work unless you find your own voice. And the reason I was working before was because, remember how I said it was three different characters, one voice, or Mm -hmm. it was all for everything? Mm -hmm. Because it was me. It was just me. And that's how you work. Don't try to be somebody else. There's some good advice. God, did we derail again? Just be authentic. No, be, we've, be we've pretty much kept uh, on track for the most part. But I gotta, we got to go for the close. I would absolutely love to have uh, you come back and do a part two. Uh, absolutely. One of these days because there's a million gems that uh, you touched on that we could uh, open up and go down these roads but for uh for today that's that anything you would like to plug my man yeah you know what if you um we had touched on the voice acting if you would like to take um uh voice acting or or get involved with the voice world um get in touch with me at switchboard sessions uh it's a closed group but it's for the people that are uh taking uh uh voice sessions with us and uh, um and it's a real sort of community with there's a lot of professional people on that site too there's casting there's tidbits and we're all sharing experiences everybody's got their own voice and i like to share and that's the thing you can anyone can be a voice actor don't let anyone tell you otherwise because that's your voice mm-hmm. there's only one you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there is a spot for it in the voice world where it is i don't know but we talked about you know in the industry there's so many ways to work, not just on camera, but there's so many ways to make a living and you're happy. Find your spot. Find your voice. Come see me. Let me help you. You know, you drive the boat. I'll be your Sherpa, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll navigate it together and we'll get you to a place. And there's, I got people coming to see me just because English isn't their first language. I have people with speech impediments. I, I teach kids with autism and, you know, whatever it is. And whatever you want to do with voice, where you want to be on commercials, you want to have a nice side hustle from home, or you want to do your own podcast, you want to, you know, make your own brand, whatever, whatever it is, come see me and the people that share their stories and their knowledge over at Switchboard Sessions. Ask to join the group. Get involved. Yeah. And uh, what's your social media? Do you have any, uh, Twitter and all that kind of stuff? I do, but I don't do Twitter. You know what? Just uh, Christian Potenza on um, on Facebook and Switchboard Sessions is the best way to get to me. Christian Potenza, cannot thank you enough for doing this, and I will have you back uh, for sure. I really appreciate it, my man. Dude, awesome. Oh, my email. Email. Animation.nation.army at gmail.com. That email again is animation.nation.army at gmail.com. And give us the last the laugh one last time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
There it is, brother. Thank you so much, man, and uh, watch your head. Such a beautiful waste of time. And there it is, another one in the books. Thank you to my guest, Christian Potenza. That was a good one. Thanks to you for listening. Always you. I appreciate it. Remember to email us, pod at jdcomedyhour.com. That's P-O-D. If you can't spell it, spell it. it. Uh, follow on Instagram at uh, jdcomedyhour.com. Same Twitter, same, same thing. You know what I mean? Like the Facebook fa- uh, fan page at facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. Thank you for tuning in to this special weekend Sunday edition, which is the late Friday episode. We'll see you guys on a regular schedule back on Tuesday. In the meantime, watch your head. Wandering eyes and itchy feet. I'm just a thin, nervous shadow walking backwards down the street. The landing's bitter, but the falling is all so sweet. It's just a waste of time. A beautiful waste of time. It's just a waste of time.
podcast. podcast. Okay. <clears throat> hey everyone, this is Christian Potenza. And you're listening to the Julian, Julianne, Julian, 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 Julian. yeah, <laughs> Julian. Yeah. I know I can say, but it's a, I'm Ron Burgundy. You know, when you read it, <laughs> yeah. you want to hit it right. I'm a professional voice actor. So put it in front of me, Julianne, Julian. Of course, yeah. you say it. <laughs> <laughs> the JD Comedy Hour. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> Hey everyone, it's Christian Potenza here rocking the mic on the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Hey everyone, it's Christian Potenza. <laughs> You're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Fucking perfect. Thank you, brother. <laughs>